0: Rebecca Fetterman, how are you doing today? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Good. Well, thank you so much for participating in this interview today. I really appreciate it.
1: It's my pleasure.
0: All righty. So, uh, to begin, what kinds of daily tasks are expected of you as an electronic resources coordinator at the NYPL?
1: Well, the electronic resources coordinator is part of the collection development office, so I work with staff within the collection development office and frontline staff, librarians, and and with patrons, um, to determine what kinds of subscription databases the library will subscribe to. And then once we subscribe to a database, um, it's really about making it aware, um, making its you know use, you know apparent to patrons and to librarians, and teaching classes and. And playing around with the database so that I know how to use it pretty well. Um and the library subscribes to over three hundred subscription databases, so that alone is oh, wow. very busy. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> so yeah, it's um it's really keeping track of all those databases and then also dealing with vendors and renewals and cancellations if necessary. So it's dealing with a lot of people, and that's why the coordinator word is in that job title because it's really about coordinating um, among um, librarians and patrons um, across the institution. That's a lot of people to coordinate. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. All right. So,
0: since you're, as I saw on your uh, website, it seems like you have a love for cookbooks and food. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Um, inspired you to intern within the New York Public Library's menu collection. So what made you want to continue this project uh, as a co-project curator, and can you tell us
1: more in detail what that means? Sure. Um, Actually, I just celebrated my 10-year anniversary at the library last month. Oh, congrats. Yeah, so it's definitely a, it's a milestone. A long time. Um, but yeah. yeah, I started ten years ago, and before I even got my job at the library, I was an intern with the menu collection, which is housed in the rare books division. So I was an intern for the rare books curator, but I was working for oh, cool. the menu collection. Yeah, it was a fantastic opportunity, and then I got hired um, by the library in, as a librarian. Um, but I've always sort of. Been interested in menus for research, and, and I'm just fascinated by food and New York City history and menus in general. So I've always sort of um, kept working with the collection and um, worked with researchers who are interested in using menus for, for, their, for their studies. And um, even though I'm doing electronic resources, I, I also you know, spend some time working with the menu collection and with the cookbook collection in general um and then a couple of years ago um the New York Public Library Labs team which is kind of an in-house startup they wanted to work on a food related sort of digital humanities project and brought the rare books curator and myself together and together we decided to launch this project called What's on the Menu which is really about um it's a crowdsourced platform of menu transcription. So what we're doing is digitizing the menus in the collection and asking people to transcribe them for us so that the, the dishes that are transcribed off each menu then sort of are put into a database. So in effect, it's creating a database of dishes. Um, and so that's been it's about, I don't know, it launched, I believe, in 2011. Oh, wow. Um, so it a really exciting project for us. Um, so that's where the co project curator role comes into play, is really specifically within this project.
0: Oh, well, okay. Because I was looking on the What's the Menu uh, project website, and you guys have gotten a lot done in the past yeah. couple years.
1: Yes. <laughs> that's we impressive. have over a million dishes transcribed from over 17,000 menus at this point. Um, wow. So it's been a, yeah, people seem really to, you know, love the transcription process, for sure, and just love seeing our menus available online. So it's great to have that platform.
0: That's neat. So can you tell us a little about the goals of the project and what you uh, overall hope to accomplish with the digitization of all these restaurant menus?
1: Sure. I mean, we, we started off not really knowing how popular it would be. We didn't really know if researchers would respond to it, if people would be interested in transcribing. Um, So we started off fairly slow. We already had menus digitized in our collection from a, a different project a few years before that. So we just used those digitized menus. We didn't do any new digitization for this. Um, so, but those 10,000 menus that we used to start the project were transcribed very, very quickly, so we knew people were excited about it. Um, so since mm. then, we have been digitizing menus. Um, and the goal, I mean, we have about 40,000 menus or so in the collection in print, oh, and, wow. you know, physical <gasps> menus. Um, and we only have about 17,000 that have been digitized for the project. So oh, one okay. goal is just to get a lot of those menus digitized so that the more menus that are digitized, the more transcription can come from that and the more data there is available for researchers to use and play with. Um, we also recently launched something called the GeoMapper where we're asking our users to map the menus in the collection. So if there's an address on the menu to write down what the address is so that we can you know, locate these menus on a map and you could potentially see you know, um, how neighborhoods have changed over time. Um, oh, that's a very like lofty goal, a very lofty goal would be to incorporate menus from other collections, so Cornell University or Los Angeles Public Library or something another institution that has menus you know to add another collection into the platform would again just um help us you know help you know there would be more menus to look at in one place and more transcriptions from that and then more data um so Overall, it could only benefit researchers who are doing, you know, who are working on trends in food and dishes.
0: Wow, that's that's really impressive.
1: <laughs> we'll see if we get there, though. It's pretty, yeah. And These are, you know, fingers crossed, but it's yeah, a you know, I it takes mean, a lot of staff. And, yeah, those good goals. Yeah, they're goals. <laughs>
0: Alrighty, so. Have you gotten any additional information from this project, such as stories about the recipes, the restaurant from people that have transcribed or brought things in or?
1: Yeah, I mean people definitely write to us with um, we get it's funny how people use the menus. I mean you, I guess genealogical research has been done with a lot of these menus where we'll get emails from the granddaughter or grandnephew of A restaurant owner saying that, you know, my grandfather or great uncle owned this restaurant and my family doesn't have a menu, but you guys do. Can I get a copy of it? Um, And then Oh, that's cool. I never thought of that. Exactly. Exactly. We'll learn more about the restaurant from family members. And also just, you know, people, you know, know, when you're working with the physical collection, you don't necessarily have time to spend, you know, you don't have a lot of time to spend with each – you know, each individual menu. But when they're online, it's easier to sort especially when you're doing the geo mapping, you can look at the address and be like, oh, that's interesting. It's in such and such. It's right by the library, for example. And then that sends you down a rabbit hole of research, and then you learn about this restaurant that was near the library, or that's just an example. So
0: it
1: just follows one
0: after the other, after exactly. the other, when
1: you hear new bits of information. Exactly. And there, you know, we, we um, or a name will pique someone's interest and, you know, they'll do some research that way. So there are lots of um, stories that come out of it. Because so many are online, it's a much wider audience that's viewing these menus. So instead of somebody making an appointment to see the physical menu and then telling us a story, this is just a website that is available to anybody with an internet connection. So even if you're on Australia, you can see these menus and then you have information about it. You let us know about these. You know, you provide information to us. And so it's it's been great just because so many more eyes are on these menus um, than had been before. So stories always come out from that.
0: Wow. That's amazing. I really liked how this project, because for me, I haven't heard of so much. Uh, for me, I have very limited knowledge. So for me using crowdsourcing so much is kind of a new thing. So when I was, reading more about the project I was like oh wow this is really cool you know you definitely want to get involved with something like that because it doesn't happen that often
1: yeah and it's also fun because it's food it's easy um everyone you, likes food it's like reading a menu <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> what it is. Um, but you know instead of being in a restaurant deciding what to order you're just you know, typing in. Maybe you'll start with the dishes that you would order if you were sitting at the restaurant and then go from there.
0: That is really cool. So our class this week is discussing participation and collaboration, which is why, of course, we're talking to you. So how much of an impact have these topics been for this project, and do you have any sort of success matrix to measure this?
1: I mean, I'll be totally honest with you. Um, we have, you know, information on how many visitors we have to the site and how long the average. We have sort of the Google Analytics of the site. Um, oh, so okay. I think the average, the average, you know, um, time someone spends on the site was like, at one point, I think it was like eight minutes, which is quite a lot of time to spend on a site. Wow. Yeah. Um, and how many visitors came, and how many menus had been transcribed um, after you know, a day or a month or – I mean, we launched in, I think, April 18th of 2011, and I think in a day we had over 1,000 menus transcribed, and I think two days after that we had 7,000 dishes transcribed, and I think two days after that we had double digits. We had like 34,000 dishes transcribed. We had analytics. The, The thing with the project is we haven't required any registration. We don't require that anyone create a login. So that way we're not able to necessarily capture who our users are. Um, So we are assuming just based on anecdotal evidence that a lot of our users are what we call power users, so there's like maybe a dozen or maybe two dozen users who are very active on the site Um, and they're the ones that come to us and email us when there's a problem with the site or when a menu's broken or when there aren't any new menus and they want new menus loaded, they're sort of our metric. but because we're not requiring registration, it's hard to know how many people or who they are or where geographically where they're coming from. Um, we can do it through, you know, Google Analytics to that degree. But that's pretty much um, how. That's pretty much the only um, sort of statistical information that we're getting is from just analytics. And sometimes that's great because you can see what people are googling in order to get there. Um, so it does provide quite a bit of granular information. It's
0: it's true, but it seems pretty successful since you doubled your amount of uh, menus transcribed in, like, a matter of days. Yeah, it it is, although I guess the true measure
1: of success is how it's used, um, you know, moving forward and how people are using it for research that potentially couldn't have been done without this project. I think that's the true measure of success.
0: That's very true. Do you know how? Do you know uh, how many of these menus are used for research purposes? Do you have any
1: information well, on that? We know that you know when again because you know we know that some of the people who are coming to the site are using it because they want to transcribe. So they're coming to the site for the purpose of transcription. They're bored and they really want to transcribe a couple of menus and help out the library. That's great. But then there are users who are coming to the site because they're Googling a restaurant, or they're Googling a person, and or they're Googling a hotel, and you know the inform, you know perhaps Google, you know, is sending us, sending them to our site based on their research query. So mm-hmm. you know, I was actually there was somebody um, who I met the other day who Googled an individual and landed on our site and found out mm-hmm. more information based on sort of the. It was an individual who was toasted at a dinner in whatever year it was, at whatever place it was. But then he you know he learned some information based on that that this individual was a member of a certain society, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I think Google sends a lot of people our way. Um, And then people who are just really interested in menus know about the platform and know that if they're looking for a digitized menu, if they're doing research on a specific restaurant, that they can go to this site and potentially, you know, find a menu from Lutess or find a menu from Schraffs or find a menu from the Automat um, and get information that way. So it's a different levels of use. And in terms of how researchers are using it, based on menus, like having the dishes, we've gotten some, We've gotten individuals who have written to us who are doing research on wine and who are looking at the wine lists that have been digitized that hadn't, you know, we haven't spent a lot of time with wine lists in the past. We have quite a few as part of the menus, um, but it's interesting seeing most two of these researchers do not live in New York City um, and therefore potentially didn't even know about the collection before, but maybe they did or couldn't come to New York for whatever reason. But because they're doing a specific wine, they can tra- they found it on our site and then they can see f- additional wine lists and then track wines over time. Um so that's that's been really fascinating to
0: Yeah, know, that's really emailing cool. with some researchers
1: about that. So we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, definitely. So on the same you know, train of thought uh, I was wondering whose idea was this, and can you tell us uh, the steps?
1: Um,
0: How the, it came about. My-
1: mm-hmm. How? It ca- yeah, sure. I can. I can tell you. Uh, whose <laughs> idea,
0: and uh, the process that it takes from start to finish. Like, what are the normal steps from? Uh, the transcribing or the receiving the menu to transcribing to done, you know, what what kind of process is it?
1: Um, it's a long process. I mean, the project, the, the idea came about, it came, um, it was sort of a collaboration. Um, we have a labs team, which is, as I mentioned before, sort of considered the in-house startups, as how they like to label themselves. So it's um, no, okay. a team of designers and programmers who um, work with curators at the library and who are familiar with the collections at the New York Public Library, and then they create digital tools to make these pla- to make these collections more discoverable and to interact with them in, in new and unusual ways that potentially um, couldn't have been done unless they made them available online um so mapping technology um transcription technology that kind of thing so the lab team was excited to do something related to the food collections because the food collections at the library are very rich and deep and um and people really respond to them um so what anecdotally as i was working with the menu collection there were ways to get to the information Physically, so you, if you had a restaurant in mind, you could type in, in their old database, you could type in the name of a restaurant, see if we had that menu, and then make an appointment to come in to see it. But what we were noticing was that more and more people were coming in to l- look at the menu collection, asking about specific dishes or specific foods, um, asking mm-hmm. about, you know, the price of a Heineken, or when did Heineken beer, be, you know, start appearing on menus, or... Um, what menus have, you know, cocktail menu? What restaurants have cocktail menus, and how can we look at the, how cocktails have changed over time? So they were getting more granular. So instead of looking at a specific time frame to a specific restaurant, people were getting even more granular and looking for specific dishes or specific food trends. So the lab's team and I um, decided that what would be interesting was to actually, instead of OCRing, which is Optical, optimal, uh, optimal, character recognition. Is that correct? Um, it would optical. It would be um, they. We would ask people to transcribe them for us because a lot of the dish, a lot of the menus can't be scanned, and um, the information on the menus they they could be scanned, but the information on the menus wouldn't necessarily come through because there was an mm-hmm. interesting script or it wasn't always in English, etc. Um, and so that's really how it began. And then it's about bringing in the programmers and designers and curators and deciding how we wanted it to look, what, how people would use it, um, what the platform, how it should be built, um, and then how the back end. It's a, it's a, it was a lengthy, lengthy process before ever launched. Yeah. And it, it keeps changing. Um, it, yeah. It keeps changing based on how we're seeing people use it and how what the feedback of the use has been. Do you
0: get feedback on a regular basis or do you get um, feedback like every once
1: in a while? We get feedback periodically and it's also just, you know, if I'm using it I we recently changed the search for example because it was hard to search by call number of the menu. And most people aren't searching the call number of the menu, but I'm often searching the call number of the menu. So it mm. wasn't a very easy way to find the menus online. So we asked you know, a quick change in the code to make sure that that was available. So sometimes it's a there are bigger switches or bigger changes that need to be made and other times there are much smaller ones. Okay. Cool,
0: cool. Okay. So still on the path of the transcriptions. Uh what tools have you used to encourage participation in the transcriptions of the project?
1: Um we're I'll be honest any, with there you, are. Um, you know we didn't need to encourage too much participation in the beginning. I mean we really just used Twitter um and you know social media to get people excited okay. and involved and that's pretty much all it's taken. Um there has been publicity there have been you know stories in newspapers and things like that that obviously get you know a spike in participation but it's been pretty um it's been pretty sort of low tack i mean we just use twitter and um social media to get people excited about it and then as i mentioned we Have a select group of power users who are pretty active on the site and they let us know when we need new menus and if something needs to be changed so that's pretty much how it's been running thus far
0: oh this is kind of like an off topic not an off topic question but um one is thought of so uh what do you think is the reason for why so many people got on board on this so quickly because it seems to be it didn't really take much for you guys to get people involved they just seem to be just so excited about it or you know what are your thoughts on that
1: um i think it's i think people were excited about it because it's it's kind of it's well (laughs) um people respond to menus because these are documents of everyday life um these are documents that people, that may be, yes, they may be housed in the rare books division of the New York Public Library, um, but they are familiar documents to most Americans, at least, um, who go to restaurants and who know how restaurant menus are organized. And I think there's something kind of um, fascinating about seeing these documents of everyday life, these very ephemeral, not really special um pieces of paper being digitized, and the fact that the library is asking for help in in seeing what dishes were served over time, I think it's people respond to it because it's part of their everyday lives. It's not like you're transcribing um you know seventeenth century manuscripts or something like that where it may be hard to yeah. read and it doesn't it's not necessarily pertinent to your everyday life. I think people respond to it because it's it's actually pretty easy to do. I mean, it's let's face it, it's not transcribing the diaries of um, <laughs> you know somebody in the seventeenth century. It's easy to do, yeah. it, um, and it's familiar, and it's fun, and it's quirky, and it's odd, and it's interesting. And then you can you know you're typing up a cocktail menu. You know what a martini and a, you know you know what a martini is. You know what a cosmopolitan is. You know what these a gin ricky is. It's fun. And yeah, it seems like it's very sense. relatable to about it's every very relatable to person. everyday life. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of interesting that, you know, a library would keep these and collect these and how people might use them for research. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, I think never that's, even I think thought that's, that's, I think that that would it's be pretty a collection. Easy. I think people love food. People love food. So it's not hard to get people excited about typing up you know, the names of different desserts or ice cream flavors. It's You're really not asking for a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, my problem with that would be if I started transcribing all that, I would get very hungry and I'd want to make some of these things or something. <laughs> yeah. That,
1: <laughs> that could be the only
0: downside. <laughs> but um, so in particular, whose job is it to clean up the trans Transcriptions after and has or is this process already begun? Like after they're uh, transcribed, uh, who whose job is it to make sure that it's all correct and then makes it final?
1: Um, we have interns who help us um, clean up menus, and we also ask, you know, as I mentioned a few times, our power users. Right now, for example, if you went on our site, there are no new menus to transcribe. You won't be able to find a fresh, <laughs> clean menu that needs, you know, fresh, clean transcription. You won't find it because we're out. Um, yeah, I saw
0: so all that
1: on the website. I like, no. Yeah. So what we, <laughs> do we ask asked people to do is go to our um, under-review menus, which are the menus that have been transcribed and that have been submitted for review, and then we ask people to clean those up. And, you know, mm-hmm, okay. right now, so it's, it's kind of still a crowdsourced, Activity. And we also have in the past had interns who help with that as well, who go through a lot of the under review menus and move them to done, um, which means that they're officially finished and they're transcribed. Um, So that's pretty much how the process works.
0: Hmm, Okay. Because I saw that tab for the under review and I started looking at them and I was like,
1: oh, wow.
0: I was I was pretty blown because I kept, like, looking at it. like, oh, wow, there's so many cool restaurants. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. You can get lost under the under review for quite some time. I know. I think I got lost for about 20 minutes.
0: <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, there's more. Oh, wow. So it was, I was geeking out. <laughs> so what tips would you give to other museums who want to pursue a similar project to this? And also, would you give different tips for smaller institutions that might not have the resources that large institutions, like the New York Public Library,
1: has? I mean, that's a tough question. We're we've been learning a lot from this entire process. I mean, we I've never been involved on, on something like this before, um, and I think you know we're learning how much staff time it takes. I think you have to think through a lot of the issues that when when you're starting it and you just kind of want to get it moving and you get it really excited about it, um, you just want to get it, you know, pushed live and you know have people interact with it and participate. Um, and I think you know that's great, but it takes up a lot of staff time um, because there's a whole process. In this instance, you know, we have the menus and then we have to send them to get digitized, um, but there's a whole intermediate process there too, which is like if the menus haven't been cataloged properly, we need to recatalog them, then we need to send them Mm -hmm. to the registrar's office, then the registrar's office sends them to the digitization unit, then the digitization unit has to digitize them, and then they have to send them back, and then somebody has to put them back on the shelves. And it doesn't sound like a whole lot, but in everybody's everyday lives, working, doing many different things at the library, having many different responsibilities, it's a lot. So I think thinking about staff time is hugely important. Um, thinking about funding, where's your funding coming from? If you get a grant, can you sustain the grant? Um, can you, you know, would you g- want to get additional grants to help support it? Um, how do you think people are going to be using this, you know, researchers? How would, you, what's the ideal scenario for a researchers' engagement with the site? If if you think a lot of people are going to be looking for brunch menus, for example, um, is that important to have available in the search? Like what are the things that are sort of low-hanging fruit that you want people to be able to engage with right off the bat versus what do you think the initial response is gonna be? For us, we knew that the initial response would be people who are excited to transcribe the dishes, not necessarily researchers who are coming to use it for research purposes. However, we knew that once we had enough dishes transcribed that we'd want to encourage researchers to use it for Um, scholarly work? And if that's the case, how is the search button working? How are people able to find menus? How are the date ranges done? Um, Where people want to sort of look at um, restaurants geographically? So you have to decide all of these things in advance and then sort of set priorities as you're moving forward in the project um, to see how quickly some of these new um, you know, add ons to the site will change the site or how much work does it involve of the programmer's time and what are other projects that your institution is going through. I mean this is not anyone's full time job by any stretch of the imagination. So what are other priorities in everybody's day to day lives? Um, and how can this project sort of fit in amongst all those other priorities? So it's a real it's sort of a juggling act, um, and it's it's really about meeting your expectations, managing your expectations Um, and engaging and having sort of something set up to engage with the public, Um, and so there are a lot of different um, things, and we're continuing to learn from it, from both the very, from the success of the project, but also from things we would have done differently um, if we had to do it all over again. Wow. It's
0: a very, very, uh, sounds like a labor-intensive process. (laughs) <laughs> take it, can it can
1: be. It can be. I mean, sometimes it's not. I mean, you know, but um, you know, it 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 doesn't just drive itself. So there is there's. Sometimes it needs a little steering itself. every once in a while. Exactly, and it doesn't. Yeah. You can put it on cruise control for a little while, but you definitely need somebody who's who's understanding what's going on, and you can't just like, yeah, fully yeah. totally
0: understandable. <laughs> exactly. So as kind of like a fun kind of question, and I, honestly I was kind of curious, <laughs> have you tried cooking any of these dishes? Like um, from the transcribing, after the transcribing process,
1: have you tried? Well, I, I when the project launched, um, a few weeks after the project launched, I hosted a, like a lunch party at my apartment for the people that were involved in the making of What's on the Menu. So the producers, the programmers, the designers, the curators. And I didn't necessarily take old recipes, but I, I created a vintage old-timey type inspired menu. And so we had punch on the menu, which is very, you know, It appears on many, many menus. We had punch as sort of a palate cleanser, and we had different kinds of dishes that you might see on an old-timey menu, but I used more contemporary recipes because I wanted people Mm -hmm. to actually like the food. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I shouldn't say like it. I'm sure they would have liked it regardless because they're very nice, but I wanted to make it sort of appetizing to a modern palate. Yeah, because I'm
0: sure some of the
1: old stuff that they probably did,
0: uh, Cook probably wouldn't be as appealing to us as we think it would be.
1: Um, exactly. It's a taste that they pencil. had back so then. I wanted to make everybody happy and come back eventually <laughs> to my house. So I kept it pretty contemporary but with an old timey menu feel. And there's nothing
0: wrong with making people happy with food. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Nothing wrong at
0: all. all right. Well, I think that's all the questions I have. Is there anything else you
1: want to add or clarify or say? No, I think I think I really like talking to you, and I think the questions were great. So I hope people um, have, you know, I'm sure you all have really interesting ideas for engaging with collections at, at institutions. So um, if I can be of any assistance, Let me know. Call on me.
0: Well, thank you so much. Um.
1: You're very welcome.